2 Timothy chapter, uh, no wait, I'm sorry, going somewhere else. John chapter 14. Um, you know, we should advertise our choir, um, the Harleys on Sunday morning, yeah, only at reflection. Yeah, John 14, verse 18. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Jesus has just announced to his disciples that he's going away, and where he is going, they can't follow. He's about to leave them and the world of humans and return to his father, the, the dimension of God's reality. Uh, and as he's been saying from the start, that he's from above, we're from below, uh, that he has come from the father, and he returns to the father, and he's telling them, now this is about to happen. They have completed their earthly journey with Jesus. But he's not abandoning them. They won't be orphans, he says. Uh, their discipleship will continue. But from now on, it will be directed by God's spirit. So this will be very different. Um, Jesus is preparing them then for his departure, and he's telling them it's going to be okay. It's actually going to be good for you. And I don't think any of them believe that, and I don't think I would believe that. How can losing you right now be good for me at all? But he, he tells them this evening only what they're capable of comprehending, and that means that he couldn't provide specific details. They, they weren't ready for it. They wouldn't grasp it. And as a result, they're very confused, and they have lots of questions. And so this conversation with Jesus, where they're, they're asking all the, the questions of their puzzlement uh, on this impossible night, goes on for three more chapters, uh, one of them being the longest prayer of Jesus that's been recorded. And that prayer is all about them and it's for them. So he really is doing what he can to, to help ease them and, and soothe them. How do you self-soothe? Carbo carbohydrates, of course. Uh, okay, that pretty much answers it for all of us. Um, uh, for me, I can remember early childhood. It was teddy bear, thumb, 
My parents were hard at breaking that. Um, not my thumb, but the habit. <laughs> and, um, and silk linings on little blankies. Um, just rubbing that silk as I sucked my thumb. It was, it was heavenly. Um, Jesus is trying to soothe their nervous systems, help them to, to relax into this, because there really is something important here, and they're so upset they're going to miss it. And I think for the most part, they do. Um, he's going to continue on with them. He says, I'll disappear from the world, but you'll see me. Only it's going to be different because his presence will be internalized within them now. He says in verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And they haven't had this experience of Jesus yet. Um, but he says, I'm going to be with you forever now in this new way. So um, I doubt that that made any sense to them. Uh, I don't know that, that they thought about another person living inside of them. I mean, it, it almost sounded like possession or something. Um, and so one of his disciples, Judas, not the bad Judas, asks him, well, how is it that you're going to be invisible to the world, but still visible to us? And Jesus' answer is in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we'll make our home with him. Jesus' word will provide an ongoing connection between his disciples and himself and the Father, that is, God. And his word, he says in verse 24, is not just his word, he says, they're not my words, it's the word of the Father himself, it's what I've heard from him. So, God's word. Now, I have colleagues in Calvary chapels around the world who will stress that the most important work they do is to teach the word. And when they say the word like that, that's shorthand for the Bible, the whole Bible. Um, it's not always what it means in scripture. The word of the Lord is oftentimes a prophetic word that he speaks in a moment to a specific situation. And that is dynamic, it's, it's powerful, and it's, for, um, and it's for especially the people who first received that word. I say that because we also have the law in scripture, and the law is not dynamic. It's static, it doesn't change. It might yield new interpretations, but, but it's once and forever and speaks universally and in general terms, whereas the word of the Lord prophetically is more specific. And Jesus' word is especially what he's had to say about God. God's word is revelation. Sometimes when I'm reading the scripture, I'm trying to break into the meaning of what I'm reading. I'll ask, well, what is revealed here that I would not know if God had not told us? What is God revealing about himself that I did not know before? 
what is he revealing about me, about us, about the world we live in? And sometimes just asking that question will open a verse to me with, uh, with new insight and understanding. So God, um, through his word, through the ages, as he, as he speaks to different people, uh, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and so on, uh, he is offering more and more revelation, more and more insight regarding himself until his word is made personal and physical in the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, I quote John chapter 1, verse 14 a lot, um, but there's another verse I also like. The beginning of Hebrews says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. God, who spoke in times past his word to the fathers through the prophets, has now given us a complete message in the person of Jesus Christ, through whom God has fully revealed to us. Everything that we can want or need to know about God is here in the person of Jesus. Now, I'm going to make a few observations regarding the scriptures. And I doubt that anything that I say is going to be new to you. So just let it be a reminder, OK? Because uh, if we remind ourselves of this, we might uh, be more interested in, in opening the book once in a while. Uh, the scriptures reveal who God is and also the sort of people that he wants us to be. Uh, I came across a passage in my reading this last week in Jeremiah, and it's, it's one of my favorites. I always pause at it. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises mercy, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Isn't that wonderful to, to know what God enjoys and what he enjoys seeing? A lot of things could be said today about Aretha Franklin. Uh, a lot of things about how her music touched us, um, and, and spoke to, uh, to issues that, that we face or have felt. But I think the most wonderful things that are being said about her are being said by people who were close to her, who tell of how she was willing to um, bail them out of jail, jail if they needed help, that she was... Um, a very kind and uh, large-hearted person. The most wonderful things um, are the, the sort of things that God says, here's what you can boast about. Mercy and justice and righteousness. 
to see that spread throughout society by individuals, this is what God takes joy in. The scriptures can penetrate the deepest parts of our hearts and minds. That wonderful verse in Hebrews 4 where it says the word of God is like a sharp two-edged sword that can pierce into the, the marrow of our bones. And uh, you know, it, it can go very deep. Uh, I've experienced that at times in very uncomfortable ways. Uh, it's kind of like where Paul says, I didn't know anything about coveting. And certainly didn't think of myself as covetous. And then I read in the law, thou shalt not covet, and I realized I was coveting all over the place. Um, that can be a painful realization. Uh, I've had many painful realizations like that. Uh, my little sister has a, a son who's now also in ministry. His name is Charles. And when he was younger, um, he told his mom, Mom, you talk about, you know, the Lord spoke to you this and that. I don't think God ever speaks to me. And she said, well, sure he does. And he said, no, no, I don't, I don't think God speaks to me. And she said, well, Charles, do you remember last week when you're in the garage and you're swinging Dad's golf club around and you hit a few things and broke them? I said, yeah. She said, well, when you realize you, you, you broke them, what did you think about that? So I thought that, that was really bad, that I, I did something really wrong. And she said, well, that thought was God speaking to you. And he said, oh, he speaks to me all the time. <laughs> the scriptures are not affected by or blocked at all by worldly forces. Paul will tell Timothy, I've suffered a lot of hardship for the message of Jesus, even to being chained, but the word of God is not chained. That, that we can be imprisoned, but nothing can imprison the scriptures. The scriptures provide us a vocabulary for our lives with God, so we can think about it, and we can talk about it, and we can discuss it with other people. Uh, scriptures give us a very rich spiritual vocabulary. I was reading also in Second Timothy this week um, where Paul tells Timothy that from childhood he has known the sacred scriptures. And I like the way uh, I like the way that's written because there's something special about a sacred text. You read it differently than you read um, your email or the newspaper. Sacred text is special. And he says, you've known the sacred scriptures since childhood. And he says about them, they're able to give you wisdom. Wisdom of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says, all of the scriptures are inspired. All of the scriptures are profitable for teaching, exposing wrong, correcting and training to do right and to live right. 
and the scriptures prepare and equips men and women of God for every good work. You know, a great example is Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, he says, a, a guy asks him, well, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, well, what do you think? And he says, well, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, all right, you know, do that. And he says, well, yes, but who is my neighbor? You know, one of those guys. Um, <laughs> probably graduated from SC and, you know, thinks he can stump anyone with that question. You know, let's qualify this, Lord. Um, who exactly is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells this preposterous story that graphically illustrates that you are the neighbor to anyone around you who is in need of something that you can give. And, uh, and, and Jesus sets it out as multiple choice, and he asks this this guy, well, who in the story is the neighbor to the man who's been wounded? And he says, well, the Samaritan. And Jesus said, you're right, now go do that. So um, the, the scriptures equip us, prepare us and equip us for these moments of doing good. Just one more passage. This is from Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. In other words, the, the ways that God's word speaks to him and what he finds in the scripture uh, prepares him for life and its conundrums. And he's able to solve some of those riddles simply because of the clues given in scripture. Um, and then in the same Psalm, Psalm 119, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Okay, well, this is very popular. The unfolding of your word is enlightening or enlightenment. And who benefits from that? Well, it gives understanding even to the simple. I've seen this. In fact, I admire the wisdom of caring people who do not have a college degree, but read the scriptures, uh, meditate on scripture, and then go out and observe the world and ponder what they see. And I have met many wise people who, um, whose grasp of life in the world and life with God is profound, though no one would recognize them as scholars. Simple, yet brilliantly wise. And now that I'm, I'm on it, I've been surprised by people who have proved to be more than I expected. Those whom I thought incapable of change and that's a very lovely surprise. I have enjoyed, and I think I always will, adults who harbor silliness. Rich Milstead. Um, some because they have a good sense of humor, and others simply because they're goofy. 
I, you know what I mean? You know, some people are silly, but they're just goofy. But I still enjoy them. And then I love people who are nice, who always smile at strangers, and who have avoided becoming disenchanted with the world. Uh, people who still believe in magic. And I believe that if used properly, the scriptures can keep our souls supple and enchanted. I read the Bible every day. And you're thinking, well, of course, that's your job. Um, Even when for four years it wasn't my job, I still read the Bible every day. But I don't read it to sharpen my exegetical or hermeneutical skills. I don't read it to increase my biblical knowledge. I don't read it to become more familiar with the scriptures. I open my Bible every day to connect with its author. It's, oh boy, I almost said gimmick. Well, okay, it's a gimmick that I use to remind me, to wake myself up to him, to give God access to my mind and heart. I read the scriptures every day because I want God to form the life of Jesus Christ in me. And I want him to do this spirit to spirit, his spirit to my spirit, like a sculptor shaping the person of Jesus into my life. I come to the scripture in every possible mental state in curiosity sometimes and in gratitude at other times. I come to scripture with a sleepiness so great I can hardly concentrate and I have to read the same page again and again. I come to scripture sometimes in the calm quiet of our morning appointment or in the simple pleasure of just being with with God, the creator. I've come to the scripture many times in frustration and desperation. And probably, most usually, I come to the scriptures under a cloud of oppression. And I have come to the scriptures when that is the last thing I want to do. But I also come to the scriptures with the eagerness of of going to the mailbox, hoping to find some treasure from a long lost friend or that I've won the Reader's Digest sweepstake. Are they still doing that? Okay, the publisher's clearinghouse, something. Um, And uh, I open it with the curiosity sometimes I have when I look at my email or I get a text from a friend and I wanna read it right away because I love this person. Does scripture always speak directly to my specific need? Perhaps. 
if I had eyes to see, maybe I'd see that every time. But it definitely speaks directly to me, to this person who has all these specific issues. And I think that that's probably more important. In speaking to me, it redirects my thoughts and my feelings. I need a lot of reminding that I am not my thoughts and I am not my feelings. You ever need to be reminded of that? Oh, I feel so stupid. I, I feel so out of place in this world. I feel so lost. Well, those are just feelings. Those aren't you. Um, I feel I'm never going to make it. I, I think I missed out on something in, in school. I didn't get something. Well, you think that, but it's just a thought. It's not you. When I open myself to God in the scriptures, it brings peace to my nervous system, settles me down. And it brings me back to my senses and the presence of God so that no matter what mood I start in, by the time I'm finished, I'm in a different mood, in a different mental place. And, I, and that's the point, I guess, that when I open the scripture, I am no longer alone. The Bible is not God, but it does bring to me the revelation of God. And the revelation brings me to God and God to me. And that's why I open it every morning. That's the intended purpose of the scripture, to bring God to us and us to God. And when it connects me to him like this, I am not an orphan. Because sometimes I feel like it. I know now I'm not an orphan. The message of Jesus is what I wanted to share with you. The message in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Love Jesus. You'll hang on to his word. And his father will love you for loving his son. And together they will come to you and make their home in you. That's why I read the Bible every day. So that God can come to me and make his home in me. I want that. I want it more than anything. Now, I know that reading the Bible does not do for everyone what it does for me. So I hope you can hear that with re a sense of relief. Oh, phew. <laughs> I was getting bogged down with all the these and thous. Um, you know, are all the, the commandments and gene genealogies. And, of course, my first suggestion is, is read what Rich calls the Bible for dummies. That is a paraphrase like the Message Bible or the Living Bible. So, uh, the Good News Bible is, I think, a great translation. It's something that makes it easier to understand and to follow. 
But if the Bible doesn't do this for you, if it doesn't connect you with God almost immediately, there is something that will. There is something that does. What is it? Was that? Bread? Prayer. Prayer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thanks, Nick. Prayer. For some people, it's music. And they find that God comes to them through music. And if that's you, identify the music that works and listen to it or variations of it every day. But do it mindfully, allowing God to come to you. Some people connect with God through poetry, reading poetry or writing poetry. Some more so by writing than by reading. Others experience God in conversations with a godly friend or spiritual mentor. In fact, some married couples are able to do this for each other. Um, They share with each other reminders of how God has been with them and answered prayers in the past. And in this way, they're encouraged to open up their hearts to God again in this moment. Others cannot resist the influence of nature. And if that's true for you, do not allow yourself to get boxed in where you're never exposed to this world. Get out. Natural beauty is not that far away. If you live along the coast and natural beauty does it for you, get down to the beach every day. Others depend on church service or some part of the service. The hymns, the contemporary choruses, uh, the choir, uh, the liturgy, the sermon, or just being there with a group of people who all have this love for God. Isn't it, isn't it nice when you're with a group of believers to be able to just talk freely about God? Isn't that wonderful? Um, there are local AA meetings where if you're talking about your struggles and you say, and then I turn to Jesus, they'll say, oh, no, 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 no. God as we understand him, they'll, they'll, they'll correct you. So it's nice then when you're around Christians, you just talk freely about Jesus and um, no one's offended, everybody gets it. Other people turn to inspirational or devotional books and they meet God there. The point is, there is some way that God presents himself to you. He has been, and he continues to. Some way that fits your particular personality with all of its idiosyncrasies and quirks. So make this a daily experience. If it's music, if it's poetry, if it's a conversation with a spiritual mentor, if it is... um, riding your bike or walking along the beach. Whatever it is, be present to it. Allow yourself to enjoy it. Savor it. Now, you know, I'm so sorry. 
I have been in so many conversations this week. I can't remember if I saw this on TV or heard it in one of the groups I was in. I think I, I, think I heard this Tuesday night um, in, in the, the women's group I was with. And one of them said that whenever she eats ice cream, she closes her eyes. You know why? You shut out about 80% of your sensual sense perception, your sensual experience by closing your eyes. And if you shut out that information, your brain is more available to your taste buds. And she said, our dad always had us shut our eyes when we ate ice cream. I can't exactly do that. I'd bump into things um, as I walk around the house with my bucket. But, uh, <laughs> but try closing your eyes and savor it and open yourself to the moment because God's coming to you in this moment. I would suggest you take notes. Again, not everybody, but uh, sometimes you can do this with a smartphone. Uh, I think... It's, read, it's better if it's handwritten, only because this expands and enlarges your experience if you write something down. Oh, I never know where to start. None of us ever know where to start. Uh, uh, Bono said, when, when he's writing a song, he says, there are lots of times when he doesn't know what to write. So the first line of his song that he writes is, I don't know what to write. And then it just comes after that. Because not knowing what to write, if you write it down, it exercises a part of your brain that starts working on that. And says, well, you know, you can write about, you know, uh, <laughs> all kinds of things. Um, I can't say any of the things that just came to mind. Um, and then pray, you know. Uh, talk to God and listen to God. When we get up in the morning, we're not cold engines with low batteries trying to, to start up our spirits. The energy of God is already with us. Jesus tells his disciples, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. And in another place he said, he will empower you after he's come upon you. So the, the energy is, is already present, and it's not your energy. You don't have to work it up. We only need to open our hearts to allow this truth to become our reality. And then God will take it wherever he wants to. Would you stand, please? Do well this week. God's equipping you for good works. Take the opportunity to, to do one once in a while. But most importantly, find that thing that opens your heart to God and live in awareness of him. May the Lord bless us 
Keep away all evil and lead us into eternal life in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.